Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Welcome to King's. It's great that you're here. How many gifts? Well done. You remembered. Good news. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. Um, great to see you in the room. Also, hello to those watching online. I know we have... Um, some people watching live or on catch-up maybe during the week. It's great to see you. Actually, I know there's a couple of people that would love to be here, but they are unwell today. So uh, why don't we give them a wave? I'm going to speak to um, Anne and Jackie and Anthea. Can we give them a wave? Is that okay? And say so we love you guys and we're praying for you. And um, yeah, sorry that you can't be in the room, but we're glad you're joining online. So um, I'm Jim, if you don't know me. I'm one of the pastors here. It's my joy to be able to speak today. Um, I'm excited um, to speak today. I'm also a little daunted about speaking today. And and the reason why I feel a little bit daunted about speaking today is because we're going to be looking at some really, really serious words of Jesus. Some really important words. I mean, all these words are important, right? But just sense the kind of seriousness of what Jesus says. Please open your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Let me just in this moment as well um, encourage you, if you regularly come to church, please bring a Bible with you, whether it's on an app or whatever. I think it's really important, and I know I say this before, before, but I say it because I think it's really important. It's really important that you know that what we're saying up here is actually in the book. You, you see it for yourselves. There's this story in the book of Acts where we read about a guy called the Apostle Paul preaching. It says some Jews were listening to him. And it says they examined for themselves the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. And that's so important to examine for yourselves the scriptures so that you know that actually what we're talking about is, is in here and in the book. And I want to encourage you, bring a Bible along. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'd love to get you a Bible. It would be our absolute joy to do that. And we're coming to the end of this epic sermon that Jesus has been preaching, the Sermon on the Mount. So the end of our series, this is number 18 of 19 in the series. One more left next week, Kevin Payne will be preaching. And as we come to the end of the message, what we find is that Jesus' primary concern now, for his disciples listening and for us as well, his primary concern is... Well, how are we going to respond, therefore, to everything that he's been saying? How how are we going to respond to what he's been teaching? Uh, There's absolutely, can I just say this? There's no point studying the Sermon on the Mount for what will be six months in this church if we just think, oh, well, that was some nice information. Okay, no point at all. The whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is that it causes us to examine our hearts and our lives and to think through, well, what does it mean for me to live for Jesus? What's the response I make? And last week, Kieran um, spoke about the choices. There's a number of choices we see in these last words. Kieran said there's a narrow path or there's a broad path. The narrow path leads to life in Christ Jesus. The broad path leads to destruction Not all roads lead to God. So very clearly, it's through Christ that we enter into a living relationship with God. It's a narrow path. So a decision is needed. Are you going to walk the narrow path? Are you going to walk the broad path? There's not another path. There's not a third way, the narrow path or the broad path. Um, Last year, 
we had a family holiday. Um, in August, we went to France, and one day as a family, six of us and our family, we went for a walk, and it was along a river, and we were near some mountains, uh, and the path started to climb up the mountain, and um, there was waterfalls, and as we were coming to the waterfalls, we heard noises up in the trees, and we looked up, and there were people above us in the trees, and they were coming down zip lines, and they were walking between trees on kind of rope bridges and, and paths and everything else. A bit like Go Ape. Has anyone seen or done Go Ape? If hand up if you know what I'm talking about. Like these tree line kind of adventures. And um, I looked at my lad Levi and I thought, oh yes, oh yes. So none of the rest of the family were interested, but me and Levi were. So we went to the little booth and they said, we'd like to do whatever this is, please. And, and um, my French is not very good, and there's a lady who spoke some English, and, and she said, do you want the beginner level or the advanced level? <laughs> now, we'd seen lots of little children do the beginner level, and we thought, nah, we can, we, this looks easy. Come on, we'll do the advanced level. So me and Levi, you um, put on your harness. I didn't give you a helmet, which I thought was strange. Um, and I don't know if you've ever done one of these things. You clip on at the beginning of it. And once you're clipped on, you're on until you get off at the other end. There's no place to, to come off the wire. And, and to begin off with, it was okay. We were going along and thought, yeah, rope bridge, this is fun. And then, oh, some planks. Yeah, interesting. And, and then we had to climb a bit higher up a tree, up a cargo net. And I'm looking down thinking, man, okay. And then higher. And then at one point, there's this zip line that took us off like this thing down into the midst of these trees. And when we got there, we realized, oh my goodness, we're so high, we're actually swaying with the tree here. And suddenly I'm thinking, maybe the advance wasn't such a good idea. And the other thing I'm thinking is, I'm looking around at our level, and I can see loads of people a long way before me on the low level, having lots of fun, and I realize no one else <laughs> is on this level. And the, the obstacles, the, the gaps between the trees got wider, and the things you were walking on got smaller. And one was just a beam that you're walking across. And at one point, we had a bit of a freak out. But here's the thing. Levi said, I'm not sure I can do this. And I said to Levi, I'm glad you said that because I'm not sure I can do this. But there was no staff around. And there was, we couldn't go back because we'd just come down a zip line. And we were hooked on. So we were like, we have absolutely no choice. And then we came to this. I don't know if we've got the photo, Tim. We came to this um, next thing. This is a slack line. If you can see in the distance, you can see Levi in a white t-shirt on the other edge of the tree. And you can also see people below us on the easy level. Uh, and I got to this slack line, and I'm like, there's no way I can do this. And Levi, of course, straight over he goes, come on, Dad. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I have no choice. I can't go back. It's a zip line. But literally, it's just this thin ratchet strap between two trees. So I start going across. I get two-thirds across, and I do the whole... <laughs> like this. And, I'm like, and I know I'm hooked on right, but I'm thinking, if I come off this, there is not a chance I'm getting back on it. And I'm there, and I'm literally going like this. And I'll tell you what is the scariest thing, or one of the scariest things I've done in my life. I said it was a very, very narrow path. <laughs> it was a very, very narrow path. Now listen... I want you to keep this image of this slack line in your mind throughout the rest of what I'm going to say today, 
Okay, Kieran preached last week about a narrow path and a broad path. I want you to keep the image of this narrow slack line in your mind as we read from Matthew chapter 7. Because everything Jesus now says flows out of the teaching about the narrow path and the broad path. Okay, And you'll see in your Bibles a heading that says true and false prophets, true and false disciples. We're going to read what Jesus says. <coughs> Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruits, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Wow. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you'd help us in these moments to really hear what you're saying. Help me as I communicate. I pray our hearts will be open, our ears would be open. Come, Holy Spirit. Let life come to our hearts through your word, I pray. Amen. Watch out. Watch out. Be careful. Be on your guard for false prophets. What are false prophets? There's a punk band in the 1980s in New York called the False Prophets. Jesus, surprisingly, isn't talking about them. What he's talking about is this, that in every single generation, there will be people who claim to speak on behalf of God and who claim to speak the word of God, but actually they're teaching stuff that isn't true. And they're false. And more than that, they're dangerous. And Jesus says, watch out. Be careful. Now, in our very tolerant society, it might sound very um, intolerant and judgmental to speak of anyone as a false prophet. I mean, who am I to speak of what your truth is or what is true or what is false? Well, we're talking about it because Jesus talked about it. He talked about it a lot. And the Bible talks about it a lot. Elsewhere, later on in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says that many false prophets will appear and they will deceive many people. That's going to happen, he says. It wasn't just Jesus who said things like this. The Apostle Paul wrote to Titus and he says, There are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception. They are disrupting whole households by, listen to this, teaching things they ought not to teach. There are people who are teaching things who they should not teach. There's a statement that is very true today, by the way. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, wrote that there would be false teachers among you. 
they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign lord who bought them. Again, another warning destructive heresies. You see, this warning's everywhere in the Bible, actually, Old Testament, New Testament. There will be people who distort and deceive, and they're dangerous. They may sound like or look like the real deal, but they're not. They're dangerous. False teachers, false prophets. Do you know, one of the jobs of an eldership team, I'll talk about this a bit. One of the jobs of an eldership team is to guard the church from false teaching. So we've got this beautiful story in the book of Acts where the apostle Paul is saying goodbye to the Ephesian eldership team that he's built a beautiful relationship with over a period of time. And he's saying goodbye to the team in the church in Ephesus, the eldership team, And um, they're in tears saying goodbye to one another because they know they're not going to see one another again. Uh, What what is Paul's final thing that he'd like to pass on to the eldership team? It's this. We read it in Acts 20. He says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made your overseers. The flock is the church. Be shepherds of the church of God. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. There's the last thing he wanted to say to the eldership team is take care of this church that they don't get deceived by people that teach stuff they shouldn't be teaching in order to draw disciples away. Away from what? Away from the narrow path of Jesus Christ. Might say things that suggest that actually the Christian life is the broad path, or it may be this, or it may be this, and it may not be Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That will happen. And so, one of the roles of an eldership team, we use the word elder and pastor interchangeably here. We have four pastors, four elders me, Tim, Steve, Kieran. We're elders of this church. One of our jobs, by God, given to elders, is to guard the church from false teaching and false doctrine from dangerous, deceitful teaching. I mean, it's a job we take really, really seriously. I think it's one of the primary callings on our lives as elders is to guard the church from dangerous teaching. And this is so important for us right now, and I'll tell you why it's so important, because we are the first generation that's got used to the internet. Uh, it used to be generations go by, you didn't have access to everything you could help possibly have access to. Now you can watch whatever you want to watch any time of the day. And we can access any kind of teaching or any kind of doctrine or any kind of anything online. We're the first generation that can do that. And listen, on the internet, there's a load of great stuff, great resources, great encouragement, great biblical teaching, great opportunities for the church, great opportunities for the gospel. But also online, there is a load of rubbish, a load of nonsense. And not just nonsense, stuff that is dangerous and is deceitful. And without care, we'll find ourselves listening to stuff and watching stuff that isn't the narrow path of the gospel. And Jesus says, watch out. It matters what we watch on YouTube. Matters who we listen to. Watch out. Jesus was clearly concerned about this. He was clearly aware that false teachers were a thing. Clearly aware that false teachers would continue to be a thing. That they would lead disciples away from the narrow path. The fact alone that Jesus actually says it should get our attention as followers of Jesus. This fact alone that Jesus is mentioning it should get our attention to think, oh, hang on a second, this is important. But more than that, by Jesus saying there is such a thing as false 
teaching. These verses also tell us something else. It tells us there is such a thing as objective truth. They can only be false if there is truth, right? So by Jesus saying, watch out for false teachers, he at the same time is saying, there is such a thing as objective truth. There is a standard by which we compare everything else to know if this is false or if this is true. There's got to be something it lines up against for us to know whether it's false or not. What is it it lines up against? He is the truth. It's got to line up against him. He, there is such a thing as objective truth, guys, and this is a massive thing for our day because we live in a culture, again, first time in human history where people have said this, well, actually, truth is whatever you believe. What's your personal truth? If it's true for you, then it's true. Who am I to say that's not true if you believe it? Such a dangerous philosophy. Now, there is objective truth. And this idea that truth can be this or truth can be that or it can be anything you want it to be. No wonder we live in the most anxious generation in history. There is such a thing as truth. Jesus Christ is the way, is the truth, is the life. So we line up everything else against him. Jesus rebuffs the idea that there's no such thing as objective truth in this statement by saying there's such a thing as false prophets and false teachers. Truth is not anything you want it to be. The kingdom of God is the narrow path, not the broad path of all ideas and philosophies. It's the narrow path. It's the slack line. Remember that image. Why do we need to be careful? Well, false teachers come, and first of all, they're deceitful, we read. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. Jesus says, they don't look dangerous. If they did, it would be obvious to spot them, wouldn't it, and run a mine? I mean, I doubt anyone subscribes to a YouTube channel of someone that says, I am the father of all lies, heresy, and the purveyor of mistruth. Follow me. I doubt we'd go there. It's not as obvious as that. They're subtle. They look like sheep, but they're wolves in sheep's clothing. You may have heard that phrase before. It's a Bible phrase. A false prophets come dressed in sheep's clothing. They might look the real deal. They might sound harmless. They might look like a lamb. They might even use the right words, wear the right clothes. But actually, we need to be discerning what message are they speaking. It's more subtle than that. They're deceitful. They're also dangerous. Jesus lived at a time when everyone would have known that sheep were vulnerable to the attack of wolves. The agricultural society, everyone would have known that. And one of the shepherd's jobs was um, not just to feed and lead the sheep, but to protect them, physically protect them from predators. So our King David in the Old Testament was able to overcome Goliath because he had overcome bears and wolves in the wilderness looking after his sheep. It's part of the role of a shepherd. False teachers aren't just, oh, they're a little bit dodgy. No, they're dangerous. Jesus says, dangerous. Why are they dangerous? Well, because they will lead us away from truth as revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. They will lead us away from the narrow path. And I want to give you an example of this. Okay, as an elder that cares about what we're listening to, I want to give you an example. And before I say that, I, want to, I never ever want to appear to be critical of anyone and I want to celebrate and encourage the wider body of Christ 
in every way that I can, but there are some things you have to see and think, but that's not right. There's a, a, a popular idea at the moment in Christendom. It's not a new idea, it's been around for centuries, but it's a popular idea that's been um, spoken of by very engaging, very charismatic, very popular preachers. And the idea is this, that if God is love, which he is, then in the end, love wins. Which means that actually, because God is love, God would not shut the door of glory and eternity with him to anyone. Of course, everyone will be with him forever in eternity. Because God's love. Well, it sounds almost true, and we know God is love, doesn't it? It sounds right, but it's dangerous. It's dangerous. What's it preaching? It's preaching a broad path. So, well, everyone will enjoy eternity with God. It's called universalism. Everyone will get into heaven. Whether you are born again or not is irrelevant. God loves you. Whether you turn your life to Christ or not is irrelevant because God loves you. Whether there's repentance, repentance meaning a point in the Bible is clear, repent and be baptized. Turn your life around. Stop living the same way. Stop living without God. Recognize who Christ is. Surrender your life to him and repent and live a different way. You know, it's dangerous because if you follow the natural trajectory of that philosophy or that teaching, it means, well, I don't really need to repent. I don't really need Jesus. Jesus didn't need to die on a cross. It robs the cross of Jesus of its power by saying everyone gets in ultimately. It's the broad path message and it's not the gospel. It's not the narrow path that Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. But you'll hear very popular engaging speakers speak that today. And you might listen to them. Oh, that's interesting. That's engaging. It's dangerous. There's such a thing as truth. I need to hold on to that. The Bible says this, 2 Timothy 4.3. A time will come. This is an unbelievable verse, considering the culture that we're living in. A time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say whatever their itching ears want to hear. It's incredible. It's written 2,000 years ago. I'm sure people of every generation have thought it's true of theirs. This is incredibly true of our generation, church. A time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. What they mean is that they'll not put up with kind of orthodox Christian teaching that's been passed from one generation to another generation through 2,000 years of church history. A time will come when they won't put up with that anymore. Instead, to suit their own desires, to suit what they want to hear, they will gather to teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. That is happening right now. Oh my goodness. For 2,000 years, the church has held on to orthodox teaching about what marriage is. Living in a generation that won't put up with sound doctrine, but to suit their own desires, they'll gather around teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And it's the wide path. It's not the narrow path of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
and senior officials in church dreams on national radio programs commenting on this, saying that last, the church now reflects contemporary society. When was the church meant to reflect? If the church reflects contemporary society, I'm done. I'll quit. Jesus speaks for another kingdom. It's completely different. It's not meant to look anything like contemporary society. It's meant to look like heaven. When was the goal to reflect contemporary society? And it's serious. It's serious because without care, we get sucked in. That sounds good. Of course it's popular. Of course it's a popular message. It's far less offensive than the narrow path. I mean, these teachings are here and it's far easier to not have to deal with those tricky bits in the Bible about hell and judgment. Just put them to one side. Everyone gets in. It's not the narrow path. So be careful. If if ever you hear anyone saying, I've got brand new revelation, I've got brand new perspective, no one's ever heard this before, be careful. The church has one message. It's been the same for 2,000 years, Jesus Christ and him crucified. So how do we discern false teachers? (laughs) What do we do? Do we become like... (laughs) Vigilante heresy hunters. Some kind of Christian version of Ghostbusters. Single life pursuit to exploit false doctrine. Of course we don't. What a waste of time. We spend our lives transfixed by the person of Jesus Christ. We look at the one who is the truth. And we're very careful of what we listen to. Let's be transfixed by Jesus, not by false teachers, but we are to be wise. Jesus says, look for the fruit of their lives. He says, a good tree can't bear bad fruit. A bad tree can't bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down. Thus, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. How do we know if it's a false teacher or not? By their fruit. We look at their lives, their words. Are we seeing what we've heard about in the Sermon on the Mount? Christ-likeness, humility, gentleness, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Do they sound like Jesus? Is what they're saying consistent with Jesus? That's why, honestly, it's why when I say, like at the beginning of a preach, please bring a Bible and know what what it is, it's because I want us to know what the truth is for ourselves so that when we hear other stuff, we can think, oh, does it line up with it? So important we know it for ourselves. So you'll hear, you'll hear proponents that will preach a message to say that the Christian life is one of, should be one of abundance, material blessing and prosperity. Literally, I heard a preacher on a clip preaches the, um, this week, you should be able to afford anything else you want, anything you want to afford, because we're the head, not the tail. We're a life of abundance. That's what they said. Oh, that's a popular message for a culture obsessed by money. What did, what did Jesus say? No, no. To follow me, you've got to lay down your life. You've got to die to earthly desires. You know what I mean? It's not actually the head or the tail. The first becomes last. The servant is greater, actually. We worship a penniless preacher who died on a criminal cross. Here, some people are fundraising for their own private jet to minister in his name. 
And I'm calling it out because it needs to be called out because it's the wide path. It's not the narrow path. So you see by their fruit. You look to the fruit of their lives. Jesus in this sermon has spoken about meekness, purity, humility, hungering for righteousness, being a peacemaker, loving people, loving enemies, not worshipping money. Prayerfulness, generosity. He says, be careful with false prophets. You'll recognize them by their fruit of their lives. Do we see the characteristics of the Sermon on the Mount on display? Do they look like Jesus, sound like Jesus? Is the fruit of their lives like Jesus? Watch out. As John Stott wrote, he says, if we care for God's truth and for God's church, we must take Christ's warning seriously. So can I just encourage us to be careful? Be careful. It's Jesus' words, not mine. Watch out for false prophets. They might suggest it's the wide path. It's not, it's the narrow path. Jesus then says, oh, by the way, this isn't just about prophets and teachers. He says something which is even more challenging and maybe even more confrontational. He says there will be people who claim to follow him, but actually they don't really. Your Bible may have the head of true and false disciples in it. See what he says, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. That's a challenging line. Jesus is suggesting there are people who claim with their mouth that they follow him, but actually they don't functionally. They don't. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is on the narrow path. Even, Jesus says, people will do mighty acts in my name. They might even prophesy and drive out demons. A number of times in the Bible we see that actually supernatural acts is not a sign necessarily of a life that's following Christ. And so he says, be careful. And he says, I will tell them plainly, one of, I think this is one of the most sobering lines of scripture I never knew you I never knew you so what do we do with words like these they are so important that we can't just brush over them the bible is life giving okay? it is life giving and the reason it is life giving is because it will not allow us to stay where we are and it confronts and challenges and it's like a living active two edged sword that sometimes has to cut through some stuff. That's why it is life-giving. And Jesus here, I believe, is warning us about a form of nominal Christianity, a form of Christianity that is name only, that pays lip service to Jesus, that says the right things, but isn't actually honoring Jesus in our hearts. We say, Lord, Lord, but actually he's not Lord of our lives. We might sing the songs, but actually in our hearts and in our lives, he isn't Lord of everything. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Now, back in November, you, you'll remember this. There's a UK census uh, about um, religion in the UK. And there's all these headlines, Christianity on decline. And over the last 10 years, the um, number of people that tick Christianity on the box has gone from 59% to 46%. And, you know, I mean, Christianity is dying out. Man, I mean, seriously, 
If, if there were 46% of this country actively following Jesus, our country would be completely different to what it is, right? So the headlines are like, just don't be discouraged by the headlines. They don't mean anything, okay? Jesus might well say, not everyone who ticks Christian on a survey will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's not me being judgmental. That's just the reality. If there were 46% of the population actively following Christ, our nation would be transformed. Jesus isn't talking about a survey here, though. He's talking to disciples. He's talking to followers of Jesus. If we're here in the room and you're a follower of Jesus, he's speaking to us. And his main concern, remember, is to help his disciples to respond to the invitation that he is laying out in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a narrow path or it's a wide path. And not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, are actually choosing the narrow path. They may say it with their lips, but actually they still want to live the broad path. It's an invitation to respond to this sermon about the narrow path of the kingdom, the path of meekness and righteousness and prayer and persecution and mercy and generosity, an invitation to live a life of obedience to Christ in his kingdom. Look what he says. It's not everyone who just says, Lord, Lord, but it's the ones who does the will of my Father in obedience because of who he is. The narrow way, the narrow gate, the way of the kingdom is not just about saying the right words. It says in Romans 10 that we are to declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart. It's not just lips, it's heart. Choosing the narrow path is, is allowing his words to shape everything. All of our choices, our ambitions, our priorities, he, to say Lord is to say, no, no, you are Lord of those things. To live a life of joyful obedience, to not just pray, Lord, let your will be done, but to live a life that is living out the will of the Father in my life. Not just let your will be done out there, let your will be done in here, in every aspect of my life. It says in Isaiah, a prophet hundreds of years before Jesus, Isaiah uh, um, was writing down the words of God and God spoke to him and said that people come near to me, this is the words of God, people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's what Jesus is talking about here. People who honor with, with their lips, but their hearts are far from him, who say, Lord, Lord, but they want to walk the broad path. And these are important things. As I've wrestled with this this week, trying to work out, how do I teach this? I want you to know two things. Firstly, this has been profoundly moving in my own heart before Jesus to think, Lord, I don't want to just say, Lord, Lord, I want you to have my heart. It's caused me to come back to prayer and devotion. This is as real for me. I don't stand in any way some moral superiority here. I'm like, Lord, I want my heart to be completely devoted to you. And also I thought, do you know, maybe I'll just sweep over this bit. How, how do I do this without appearing um, legalistic or confrontational? How do I preach these words of Jesus? That is this profound warning to not just pay him lip service, but to live a life of fully hearted devotion to him. How, how do I do this in a way? Do I skip over it? Do I water it down? Do I make it sound less confrontational as it is? But if I did that, what would I be? I had this revelation on Friday. I would be the false teachers that he's just spoken about, suggesting that the narrow path to Jesus is wider than, narrow, than Jesus said it was. 
And so there's a seriousness here, church. It's a seriousness about nominal Christianity that pays lip service but doesn't honor him in their hearts. It's not for me to know, you know how the Lord will judge anyone. That's not my role. But there is a seriousness here. I don't want anyone to leave this room not recognizing what Jesus is saying here. Don't just pay him lip service. Don't just tick a box on the survey. Has he got your heart? Have you fully surrendered your life to Christ? Are you willing to walk the narrow path of discipleship? D.A. Carson, an author, thinker, he says one of the biggest problems in the church today is nominalism. Just Christianity in name only. We do the things, we go to the church on a Sunday, but Jesus hasn't got our hearts. He says it pervades so much of Western Christianity. It's a, it's a form of Christianity that says, yeah, we want to know Jesus, but isn't willing for the sacrifice of discipleship. Christianity says, I want an encounter with God, but isn't willing to live a life of holiness. And it's serious. Jesus is calling his disciples to something, and he's calling us to something. Not nominal religion, not nominal lip service to Christ, but heartfelt, joyful obedience to the Father. And it's not that we're saved by our works, we're saved by grace. He has done it. But if grace does not produce in us the fruit of joyful obedience, we've misunderstood the cross and we've misunderstood what grace is. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will know me. There's a seriousness. What then is the essential characteristic of the true believer? The genuine disciple of Jesus Christ His chief characteristic is obedience. Don't just honor him with your lips. Honor him with our lives. Has he got our hearts? Are we willing to walk the narrow path of the kingdom? So, how do we respond? There's a narrow path and there's a broad path. A narrow path is the way of Jesus, it's the way of the kingdom of God. The broad path is not. And there's no third way. Teachers will come and they'll say all kinds of stuff. Not everything is true. So be careful what you listen to. Does it look like Jesus? Does it sound the kind of thing Jesus says? And some will say they follow Jesus, but the evidence is whether they're willing to walk the narrow way. Are you willing to walk the narrow way of following Christ? It's like all in. It's this way or it's that way. It's not a mixture of all of it. Has he fully got your heart devotion that expresses itself in joyful obedience? I wonder if we just pray for a moment. Let's just... I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to our hearts. And please hear the seriousness of Jesus' warning in these words. Let's, let's just have a moment where we're serious before God. Come Holy Spirit, speak to us in these moments, I pray. 
Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church, Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.